welcome to the weekly podcast of River Valley Church. We're glad you're here. Our heart is to lead people to Jesus and launch them into their God-given purpose. So we pray you would encounter God in a fresh, new way today. To learn more about our church, visit rivervalley.org. Now, let's tune in to this week's message. continuing our series, Greater Gifts. We're actually wrapping it up today. And uh, as I say all too often, we could make this another three, four, five, six more weeks. There's just so much content here, but we, we are trying to pastor and move forward and keep the church moving. Um, but this was something we had to address for several weeks. But we're talking about greater gifts that are available to us, the power that is available to us for the purpose of what God has called us to do. And if you're not sure, God left us with this purpose to go into all the world and make disciples. Let people know that God wants to reconcile the relationship. He made a way through Jesus Christ dying on the cross. They can be forgiven. And we have a mission to go into all the world and to make disciples. And it's a big task. It's met with spiritual opposition. And God said, I'm not going to just have you go do it in your own strength. You're going to do it in mine. And I'm going to give you spiritual gifts. You're going to be baptized in the Holy Spirit and to have these gifts. And Jesus told his disciples in John 14, John 16, he said, I'm going, and it's a good thing for me to go. I'm sending. The Father is going to send the Comforter, the Holy Spirit, and it's good that I go because I'm in one place. But when the Holy Spirit comes, he's going to be active everywhere, and it's going to be a really good thing for the Holy Spirit to be active. And he said, now wait for this promise. Wait for this promise. And so uh, Jesus was promising that the Father would send the Holy Spirit. And then in Acts 1.8, he says, you're going to receive power after the Holy Spirit has come upon you. You're going to be my witnesses, and you're going to go do it. And then in Acts chapter 2, we see that the power of the Holy Spirit, the people are baptized in the Holy Spirit. And in this moment, they start to speak in tongues. They have a new boldness. They start flowing in these charismatic gifts that empower the church to do more than they could with just strategizing and thinking. It was a empowering from the Holy Spirit. And so the baptism in the Holy Spirit unleashes these gifts uh, for use. They're listed in 1 Corinthians 12, and we're going to get there in just a moment. Um, But just to be clear, baptism in the Holy Spirit is after salvation, after you're saved. You're saved, you get water baptized, and you're baptized in the Holy Spirit. It's interesting that uh, the Holy Spirit uh, baptizes us into Jesus. Uh, A disciple baptizes us in water, and then Jesus says, I will baptize you in the Holy Spirit. So there's three baptisms that are going on. So it's after salvation. And I want to let you know it's for all, that all of us can have the baptism in the Holy Spirit, 
And we can all be functioning in these gifts as the Holy Spirit gives them out. And um, if you are hungry for this, I believe that people are being baptized in the Holy Spirit, even in our service as we're having them. Uh, Definitely at the end of the service, I've been hearing many people coming up and talking to prayer teams and saying, I want to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. If this is for me, I want this. I'm open to these gifts. Many are receiving their prayer language right there. Um, We have the Holy Spirit retreat. There's a great hunger. You could ask about this in your life group. Um, But I'm, I'm just encouraging you. This is for you. This is for us. This is for today, and this is something that our church is very hungry for and ready for. I want to let you know that, again, there's so much to cover. I have a bonus teaching that I put online, and it's in the, with the series. So if you go to our website, and you go to the media page, and you click on it, and you go to this series, you'll see a bonus teaching on when I pray in tongues, when I use my prayer language. I use it all the time. I mean, if I see an accident, I start praying in tongues for that accident because I don't know what's going on there. I don't know what they need, and I could just pray generally like, Lord, bless them and take care of them. But I start praying in my prayer language, whatever the Holy Spirit is wanting me to pray for that accident. And I pray all sorts of different times. Even when I'm frustrated, I'll start to, I'll start to overcome my negative self-talk. I'll just start praying in the Holy Spirit so I can overcome negative self-talk. I'm just letting you know, and that teaching is available, and I talk about all the different times that I pray in the Spirit. But we believe this is for today, and um, this accompanies the baptism in the Holy Spirit for all. And if I could just say this, um, for many of us, it's like, wow, I I don't get this. I don't understand this. I'm going to tell you this. Again, it's supernatural. It is supernatural. Our whole faith is supernatural. And I think sometimes we overthink the baptism in the Holy Spirit because like, wait, 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 wait. I'm going to work with the power of God, and he's going to give me gifts, and I might pray in an unknown language. I mean, you just, I, I got to figure this out. I'm telling you this, it's supernatural. You can't have it all the way figured out. I don't know how God raised Jesus from the dead other than it was supernatural. And I have people say, well, I don't know if I can believe in the baptism stuff, and that just sounds like it's out there. Your faith starts with the fact that Jesus came back from the dead, Okay? Supernatural. All right? If we have a supernatural experience with Jesus Christ, he forgave you of your sins. That's supernatural. Uh, Let's not let that block us from what God has for us. All of Christianity is supernatural. Please don't put supernatural over there and say, it's logical that he rose from the dead. Okay? It's not logical. That is supernatural. And let's grab supernatural, okay? So let's be more receptive. Let's be more open. So the gifts that are listed in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 4 through 11. I'll read this. It says, there are diversities of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are differences of ministries, but the same Lord. And there are differences, uh, diversities of activities, but it's the same God who works all in all. But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one for the profit of all. There's something good happening when the gifts are given to people. It says, for to one is given the word of wisdom through the Spirit, to another the word of knowledge through the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healing by the same Spirit, to another the workings of miracles, to another prophecy, to another discerning of spirits, to another different kinds of tongues, to another the interpretation of tongues. But one and the same Spirit works all these things, distributing to each one individually as he wills. So we read that scripture in this series and we grouped them together Uh, for your convenience, and Pastor Darren did a great job last week uh, grouping them together and also what I would call speed preaching. Uh, Man, 
Sometimes I feel like uh, the pastors, when we're preaching, we are speed preaching. Now, you've noticed our guests ignore the clock, but we are very aware of it. But we are speed preaching here. And, and uh, he went through the nine gifts, but we clumped them together and grouped them together. The discerning gifts, the word of knowledge, the word of wisdom, and discerning of spirits. We talked about the dynamic gifts, uh, the gift of faith, the gift of miracles, the gift of healing, and the declaring gifts, tongues, interpretation of tongues, and prophecy. And so the question that I want to do, I don't want to regroup them, or, and I thought, could I try to explain them all a little bit more? And as I prayed about it this week, I felt that God wanted me to take one gift from each of the three groups. So I'm going to take one gift from each of the three groups. Again, that's why this could be an extended sermon series. I could go and do one gift from each group next week, and one group, and we could just keep going with this. But I felt led to just do one group, and again, this is not exhaustive. This is one gift from each group, and I want you to understand I didn't pick the best gift from each group, okay? There's no such thing as the best gift from each group, all right? Paul says, earnestly desire the better gifts, but how many know this? The best gift is the gift we need right now for what we're facing, Okay, if I need a, a word of faith to step out in something and I have a major critical decision and I need faith, I, I don't need at that moment uh, a tongue right there. I don't need that. I might, if I need a miracle, I don't need a word of wisdom. If I am needing, uh, facing a, a dire situation that I need to know something that I can't possibly know without a revelation from God, again, healing's wonderful, but in that moment, I don't need that. What I need is the gift for the moment. And I'll tell you this, the best gift is the gift for whatever we're facing right there in that moment, and it's beautiful because the Holy Spirit knows what's going on and is able to give that gift to function in that moment exactly like we need it. So I'm just taking one from each of those. So the discerning gifts. In the discerning gifts, I want to look at the word of knowledge, all right? I want to talk and start with the word of knowledge. And um, if I could just explain this, Paul says there's a word of knowledge. And I want to let you know that it's not the gift of always giving a word of knowledge. It's a word of knowledge. I believe that this is something that all of us are able to function in. When you're baptized in the Holy Spirit, now some are more tuned in and the Holy Spirit uses them more often, but I believe that it is a word of knowledge. It's not a continual feeding of knowledge of things you didn't know and the Holy Spirit had to tell you because you didn't know. Sometimes he wants you to study. Sometimes he wants you to pay attention. Sometimes he wants you to use your common sense. But there are times that there is a word of knowledge, a word for a moment, for a situation that's going on. And again, we would love that it would always be coming and coming and coming, but it is a word of knowledge. And one preacher said this, it's kind of like facing a situation and you call your attorney. And you need a word for the situation that you're facing right then. You don't need all your attorney's knowledge. You don't wanna keep the attorney on the phone for 24 hours at $400 an hour. You want him to give you the word that you need in the shortest billable amount, all right? And you just, you want it now. You, you just, thank you, thank you. Don't need any more. Got it. Solve it. Good. Don't stop charging me. You know, I've hung up. <laughs> that doesn't count either. You know, I mean, you're like, it's done. You know, $400 hour. But they have knowledge, and they have knowledge that you need, and it's for a moment. 
And the Holy Spirit has knowledge, and he gives it to you in that moment, a word of knowledge. And so in this, I want to look at um, an Old Testament example, a New Testament example, a Jesus example, and how it works with us. And I hope I have the time to go through all three of these with each situation. So this word of knowledge is, is a word that is dealing with a present situation, and it may be taking into account past details. This word of knowledge may be taking in information that was in the past, but there's a present situation that needs something to be addressed. That's where the, old, that's where the word of knowledge comes in. So in the Old Testament, I won't read the passage, but in 1 Samuel chapter 9, Saul is looking for lost donkeys. Saul is going to become the first king of Israel. He is looking for lost donkeys. He's wasting a lot of time. He's looking everywhere and he can't find them. And he said, hey, I heard there's this prophetic guy that can tell you things that you wouldn't know. God tells him things that you wouldn't know by natural knowledge. Let's go find this guy. His name is Samuel. And so Saul is looking for Samuel and God speaks to Samuel and says, Samuel, a young man by the name of Saul is coming to meet with you. He is to be anointed king. So Samuel knows this. God's already spoken to him. And as Saul is walking up to Samuel, and for Samuel chapter 9, he's about to say, like, hey, where are my donkeys? And Samuel says, hey, the donkeys you're looking for, they're taken care of. Somebody's already found them, and they're bringing them here. Don't worry about it. And Saul's like, okay. Like, that's really okay. And then Samuel says, now, come on, let's go eat. And it's interesting that because the word of knowledge comes to Samuel and he's able to share it with Saul, Saul stops looking for his donkeys and he's able to sit down and eat with Samuel and then Samuel is able to anoint him king and the, the kingdom of God is moving forward with the use of this gift. It saved him time so that he could sit down with the prophet and get anointed rather than look for donkeys and that's exactly what God's plan is. He's like, I'm building my kingdom and I'm gonna use these gifts. Okay, so that's an Old Testament example. Then we have a Jesus example. Jesus in John chapter four is at the well and he's talking to this woman and she's like, well, what, what is this water that you're talking about? I want this living water. And he's like, well, go get your husband and bring him back. She goes, I don't have a husband. He's like, you're right. You've had many different husbands and you're living with a guy right now. And she's like, I perceive that you are a man of God. <laughs> how did that, like, wow, how did you know that about me? How did you know that? Jesus was functioning in a word of knowledge. He knew something about something that happened in our past. He was talking to her right now and getting her attention. But I want you to understand this about any of the gifts. The gifts get our attention on what really matters. Don't fall in love with the gifts. The gifts got her attention on, now, what kind of life change do I need to make? That word of knowledge woke me up to what I need to do. That's what the gifts do. Now, sometimes churches, we get excited about the gifts and we're all about the gifts and we forget the gifts are for the purpose to build the church, to get people to love Jesus more. Let's not, I mean, we love the gifts, but we love Jesus more than the gifts and the gifts always point to Jesus, okay? So he's, she's like, wow, that's amazing. And then she brings the whole village to Jesus. That's what the gift did. The gift got the whole village to Jesus. God's like, I'll use the gifts to build my church. It's an amazing thing. We see in the New Testament, Ananias, a different Ananias than Ananias and Sapphira. Ananias in Acts chapter nine is a man of God that is just minding his own business. And God speaks to him and says, Ananias, there's a man by the name of Saul and I need you to go pray for him. And Ananias is like, you mean Saul the killer guy? 
And God's like, yes, I, I've changed his heart, and I've got, but God, he's killing people. God's like, I know that. I've got a plan for him. I've called him. He's going to be mine, and I'm going to use him, and I want you to go and lay hands on him because he's blind right now, and he needs his sight restored, and I need you to do it. So Ananias, now imagine this, Saul is traveling on the road, gets knocked off the donkey. If you know the story, he's blind. The Bible tells us they bring him to the city, and he's just sitting there blind, wondering what in the world is going on. What's happening? And all of a sudden, Saul, I'm here. God sent me here. He knocked you off your donkey and you're blind. And God sent me here. Can you imagine Saul at that moment? Like, this is awesome. This guy has a word of knowledge. He knows what happened. I didn't even tell him anything. And this guy knows what's going on. And he's telling me, he's reading my mail of what happened. And in my present situation, he's bringing a reality that is changing my whole present situation. And in that moment, the word of knowledge then all of a sudden jumps into the miracle and healings and his sight is restored. And many times the gifts work together. They work together. And so this is happening. So there's a New Testament example that is just absolutely incredible. Okay, so for us, how does it work? I can tell you story after story after story. I picked a few highlights. Prayer teams have been down here and one young man was praying for healing and the person in the prayer team said, I have a word for you. You have people that you're angry at, you're bitter at, and until you forgive them, God can't heal you. He wants to heal you, but you're bitter. He starts to weep. He's been angry with these other people. He forgives those people. Healing manifests in his body right there. Word of knowledge. How would this person ever know this? How would the person ever know this? A friend was going in for surgery, and somebody in our prayer team, again, uh, was there and just said, I believe God wants to speak to you. The tumor is not cancerous. There's a main vein going through it, but it's not going to be a problem in your surgery. And uh, they said, uh, there's, there are three things. There's, oh, you have a, it's a growth, it's in a main vein, and it's not cancer, okay? And the surgery's going to be fine. And so I'm in the waiting room. This is when the church was a lot smaller, and I used to go to the hospital with everybody. With everybody. Now I don't do that. You know, we've got all sorts of pastors doing that, and they're... Um, but I'm standing there in the waiting room and the nurse comes in and goes, hey, we just want to let you know that um, the growth is really on the other side and there's a main vein going through it and it doesn't look like cancer, you're going to be okay, do you have any problems and or any questions? And he goes, no, not for you, but for my pastor I do, you know, because at church on Sunday, this person's having a word of knowledge telling them, okay, um, man, I'll give you a um, another one, word of knowledge. I'm in service and uh, a pastor at another church comes up to me and he goes, hey, this is years ago. And he goes, God just wants to tell you something. You were complaining about building projects, and you hate building projects, and God just wants to let you know that you're going to have lots of building projects up ahead, and you have to embrace this, and you're going multi-site, and you just got to be good with it. And I'm like, really? Okay, good. You know, like, seriously, I had just been complaining that week, like, Lord, of all the things that we raise money for, I can't stand raising money for building projects. And I mean, I just want to give the missions. And, I, and then God's like, I really want you to go multi-site. And I'm like, seriously? And then this guy gives a word of knowledge, like, God saw you complaining, and he said you're going to raise money for buildings. And so here we are. All right. But I'm just telling you, okay? They helped to build his church. That's what the gifts are for. And just to be very clear, we need a word, not an oracle. We need a word, not an oracle. Stop walking around and go, give me another word, give me another word, give me another word. We can desire them, but we don't demand them. And that's why you're in community. And that's why God has given you his word. That's why you have just people around you that help you move forward. And when God gives you a word, it's amazing. And it's supernatural. Uh, but let the Holy Spirit give those out as he desires. Okay, the dynamic gifts. Uh, the gift of faith. 
I want to let you know that I picked this because I function in this gift. I've been given the gift of faith. Pastor Darren referenced that in the sermon last week. I have the gift of faith. It's not saving faith, which we all have, that have given our life to Jesus Christ. It's the gift of faith where I know that I know that I know it's going to happen. It's a done deal. It's done. Like, I move in the confidence as if I already know what's going to happen because God has assured me that what I'm believing for will happen. I wish that happened every day. It doesn't. Again, it comes and it, I function in that and I'm used in that gift. It's probably happened 15 to 20 times in the history of our church, um, very specifically to big, bold steps that we make. But... Um, it's different. Faith, the gift of faith is different than miracles. The gift of miracles here in these dynamic gifts, miracles are right now. How many know when you're praying for a miracle and it happens, it happens right now? Okay, that's a miracle. Okay, but faith is what you need is coming to you. And you live between the now and the miracle or coming to you. And this gap is a faith gap right here. And you live between the now and the miracle. And the faith fills you with total confidence between your now and your miracle. And it takes a while to get there. And while everybody else is looking around like this, you are just walking steadfast. Because you've been given the gift of faith. And you know that you know that you know that it's going to happen. I'm just telling you that's how it happens. Now, I don't have time to go into all the different stories, but I will tell you in the Old Testament, I believe Daniel operated in the gift of faith. I believe that when Daniel was facing the lion's den, this is the way I see it, Daniel's facing the lion's den, and the king's going to throw him in there, and the king's like, perhaps your God will save you, and I think Daniel had faith, and he walked in the lion's den, and I think he was saying, king, check on me tomorrow. And I think that the way I read it with my imagination is Daniel kind of looked at the king and went, check on me tomorrow. I think he winked. I just think he did. I think Daniel was the original tough guy, I'm just saying. I think he had to have been operating the gift of faith in the Old Testament. Why in the world would a non-believing king run to the lion's den in the morning and see if he's alive? There's no logical reason. Nobody does that unless a miracle's taken place, unless the guy that walked in the lion's den was operating a level of faith that said, check on me in the morning. I'm just saying, that's amazing. And the king after that's like, okay, total respect for Daniel's God. God used it to advance his kingdom. God's people had favor on them because of Daniel operating the gift of faith. I, I believe that that's how the gift of faith operated there. I believe in John 11, Jesus, let's look at his example. When Lazarus dies, and you read that, you and I read that, they say, Jesus, the one you love is sick, go to him. Jesus is taking his time. Jesus shows up on the scene, they're all like, oh, he's dead, he's so dead. Jesus is like, don't worry, roll the stone away. And they're like, are you kidding me? Jesus, he stinks. He's like, roll the stone away. They're all crying, he's walking. Why? Gift of faith. In that moment, he knew that he knew that he knew God the Father was raising Lazarus. Does he raise everybody from the dead there? No, but he's going to raise everybody from the dead someday. And he said, but Jesus knew. The rest of them, oh! He's like, roll the stone away. And he's crying because he loves the guy. And I think he's crying on the edge of a happy moment, you know. I, I think he's, you know, we see Jesus wept. And I don't think he was like, Lazarus, coming, please, God. I, I think he was like, this is going to be awesome. You know, this is going to be awesome. You know, does that make it think a whole lot different? Okay. Lazarus, come forth. They're crying. He's walking. Why? Gift of faith in that moment. 
all of a sudden people are like, this is amazing. God has something for me. Peter in Acts chapter 12 um, in the New Testament, our example there, he's condemned to die. And he's sleeping on the night that he's condemned to die. Not because he's exhausted, but because God had spoken to him and said, you're not dying here. You're not dying here. And he's asleep in the prison, and then he gets set free, angelic release out of the prison. And I'm telling you what, when you're operating the gift of faith, you can sleep while other people are struggling. You can sleep while they're struggling. And that's what happens in the gift of faith. For me, we needed money to start the church, and we had to order our equipment. And if we didn't order our equipment by this certain day, there was no money. And Becca and I had made a rule. Unless God gives us a miraculous gift, I couldn't order this equipment. It was like $65,000, and we had no money. And she said, if God doesn't give you a miracle, you can't order the equipment. We got down to the last day to order the equipment. And God said to me that day, you have the money. Order the equipment. I opened the mailbox. There was no check. I waited around all day for somebody to show up with a check. We got the money. God told me. I felt so clear. You have the money. Order the equipment. And all day I was looking for the check, looking for the check, looking for the check. No check. It's five minutes to four. I have to order this equipment by four o'clock or we don't launch the church. God says, I gave you the money Order the equipment. I mean, I'm feeling this prompting in the Holy Spirit. I call the guy. I said, we got the money. Start the equipment. And he's like, yeah, you got the money. And then I hung up. Like, I didn't want him to ask me where it was. (laughs) I went home. I told Becca. I said, I ordered the equipment. She said, you did? Did we get the money? I said, sort of. She goes, what do you mean, sort of? I said, sort of. We got the money? I said, God told me today we have the money. It's says, I'm telling you, I'm operating the gift of faith. We got the money. She's like, are you serious? What's amazing is not everybody else has that same revelation, right? <laughs> She's stabbing her meal, eating it, wants to stab me, you know. <laughs> Phone rings. Phone rings while we're eating dinner. Business administrator from Cedar Valley Church calls and says, hey, I have a check on my desk. I've been meaning to call you all day. Last night, our board voted to give you a $35,000 no interest loan. We approved it last night. The check's here. I'm going on vacation. Stop in tomorrow to pick up your check. I'm like, we got the money. See, God knew that they voted the night before. God knew that. And he told me, and then at that moment, he said, I've given you the gift of faith. Now use this to build my church. I'm just telling you, that's how it builds his church. I could go on and on, but I'm telling you, the Apple Valley land, I stood there, and I knew that I knew that I knew. That's our land. I stood in front of the church and said, we're raising the money. It's a done deal. I prayed on that land. I asked God for that land. He gave me the word of faith. That's our land, our Shakopee land. I'm telling you, when we went and bought another piece of property, and then the city said we couldn't build there, and then they gave us three options, I knew that I knew that I knew that was our land. And I was frustrated when the Army Corps of Engineers came and said, this part that you bought is swamp land, and you can't build there. And I was so mad because I was like, don't you stand in our way. God told us, that's our land. That's what I'm thinking in my mind. I'm thinking army engineer being used by the devil to keep us from our land. That's our land. Like, I know what he told me. That's our land. And then you know what happened? The owner said, well, why don't we just move you from the swamp land and move you over to the better land, which was even better than we were going to buy. And then God's like, I got your back. I got, I got the better land for you. I just used the Army Corps of Engineer to put you in the better spot. That's amazing to me. That's the gift of faith. That's why I was so frustrated. Like, Why? One more. I just, uh, you have to hear these. Um, our rent, when we moved in at Apple Valley, we moved in, there's our, we only had one campus, about 250 people, we moved in. We didn't have the $15,000 to pay the rent. We moved out in faith into this building, um, or into, yeah, we were leasing in this building. 
We were bringing in as a church about $20,000 a month, and our payment was going to be fifteen. dollars And I said, we're going for it. We're going for it. All or nothing. God didn't call us to stay here. He's called us to reach these, this area and to do something significant. Let's go. We move in on the first day. We do not have the money to pay the rent. Rent's due tomorrow. We don't have the money. And God said, if you raise the rent today, Sunday morning, I'm in prayer, like, Lord, what am I going to do? He goes, if you raise the money for the rent today, you'll never miss a payment. Tell them they are setting the course for the entire church. If they raise the rent today, you will never miss a payment. And so I stood up in front of them. I said, if we raise the rent today, we'll never miss a payment. That's the good news. The bad news is we have nothing in the bank, nothing, nothing, and we have to raise it today. And in that moment, the church stood up, and it's the only time I know I did this. We had $15,000 come in in an offering, and people stood up like, I'll give 1000 I'll give 1000 I'll give 3000 I'll give 2000 I was just amazed, and we raised it. I'm going to tell you what, we've never missed a payment since then. Never, ever, ever have we ever missed a rent payment. Never, not once. Or a purchase payment, not once. And I believe it was a gift of faith. So that's how the Holy Spirit uses the gifts. Okay, the last one, the declarative gifts. And again, remember, there's a tongues bonus teaching. I want to talk about prophecy. 1 Corinthians 14.3, but the one who prophesies speaks to people for their strengthening, encouraging, and comfort. I'm telling you what, uh, Darren did a great job on this. Uh, Prophecy is not mean. It's not mean. It's not mean. I remember once, and people get this attitude like, I flow in the prophetic and I'm going to be mean to people. And, uh, you know, and I remember this one guy at a church I was in in St. Cloud, he showed up and he was wearing a Scottish kilt, and I thought he was from Scotland, obvious, right? You know, he's wearing a kilt in St. Cloud. And uh, so I went up and I said, you must be from Scotland. And the guy said, no, I'm a prophet, and I must be rejected by man. And I looked at him and I said, That'll work. And then I walked away, you know. I said, yeah, that'll work right there. I'm not going with the kilt thing, you know. So it's not mean. It's not mean, all right? All right? It's an uplifting, encouraging word that's needed, a call up to what God has for you. It's a call up. The Old Testament prophecies, there are so many, I can't even go into them. The Old Testament, you could see them. There's so many prophetic words about what's coming and a call up to what God's plan is. Jesus, interestingly, when it comes to prophecy, he didn't really prophesy that much. He just fulfilled prophecies. He's there in Luke 4, like reading from Isaiah, the scroll in the synagogue, and then he rolls it up and goes, today this prophecy is fulfilled in your midst. I'm fulfilling what was prophesied. Wow. Wow, that's how Jesus did it. But he also prophesied. He, he had different prophecies that he would do, and he, would call. he prophesied that the Holy Spirit would be poured out, and it happened. All right, in the New Testament, I have this example, and I put it in here strictly for the ladies. Um, it's not the most exciting, but I felt really prompted. Acts 21, 8 and 9. Listen to this. It says, Paul says, Leaving the next day, we reached Caesarea and stayed at the house of Philip the Evangelist, one of the seven. He had four unmarried daughters who prophesied. They flowed in the prophetic gift, and they prophesied. And I put that in there. I felt prompted by the Holy Spirit because I want you to know this is for men, this is for women, this is for all of us. And I love that the Bible puts in there, these four young ladies flowed in the prophetic gifts. Don't let anybody tell you that the gifts are for this group or that group. It's for all to flow in the gifts. And for us, there have been so many. I had a prophetic word over the worship team the other night. I was doing the training night that they had, and I felt a prophetic word to call them up. Um, I, I was researching this. And I remember one of the pastors was praying over Connor and Logan a couple years ago, and he gave a prophetic word over them. And he said, there's room in this house for both of you. You will not um, compete with each other. You will complete each other. 
Yeah, and it said, the sons of this house have an anointing and favor on them. It was just, I was typing it down as fast as I could as he was prophesying and speaking and calling Connor and Logan up to that level. And I've seen this over and over again. And I close with this by reading one thing. One of our elders had a prophetic word over our church. And I know it'll take time and we'll have to adjust our services accordingly. But this was declared over our church a couple years ago and I want to declare it again. I don't want it to stop. And it was called Run Downhill. It doesn't have a time limit. It doesn't have an expiration date. And I think we can still live in this prophetic word that was spoken over our church, calling us up. And it says, get ready. Momentum is now set. Hang on. Don't stop. Don't look back. Run with purpose. I will not merely walk, but run the way of your commandments when you give me a heart that is willing. This run will be different. It's full of great momentum. It's a run downhill. Picture in your mind a child running downhill. The options stop because it feels too fast, out of control, and even scary. A child may even fall down on purpose just to stop. Slow down and work against the force of momentum, fighting and fighting to reach a more comfortable speed or cooperate with momentum and let momentum help you run faster than ever before. My plan is that you run downhill. My plan is that you don't stop running and don't fight my momentum. Cooperate with me. Start running and never quit. Go for it. Be like the child that just runs and runs knowing that he'll make it to the bottom. He doesn't care about looking silly. He's smiling from ear to ear. ear. He's experiencing the joy of momentum. Cooperate with momentum to believe more, do more, and reach more than ever before. Some will say you've done enough. Slow down. Be satisfied, but I say believe for more so you can do more, reach more. It's not a time to stop. It's not a time to slow down. It's time to cooperate with momentum and run downhill. You have a willing heart and you have an aim, so run, run downhill. And I believe that prophetic word spoken by one of our elders and written down and delivered to our church is still as relevant today as it was the day they shared that. God builds his church through the gifts. The church becomes dynamic, supernatural, powerful. And if ever we needed a supernatural church, it's right now. It's right now. So Lord, I pray that we'd be open to the gifts of the Spirit, baptized in the Holy Spirit, flowing in the gifts of the Spirit to build your church. May all be eyes be on Jesus because the gifts point us back to Jesus and build your church. In Jesus' name we pray, amen and 